What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Come on, G-Day, wait. Come on, G-Kick it. Lose one. You lose, I mean, they were coming off a winning streak, but you lose one to the Wizards, to the Zards. Lose, hold on. Lose one to the Wizards? They, got they didn't just lose one, bro. Destroyed. I was, um, <laughs> I could say a lot of bad things about that game, and especially ways to describe it, but I'll, say it, it was just a thorough ass kicking, and that's <laughs> putting it really politely, like really politely. Man, that was a prison beatdown. Like, that was like somebody like stole your razor. I don't even, man, it was just bad. All around, it was really, really bad. And they didn't necessarily quit, but they just looked dejected halfway through. Hey, man, they only lost by nine points. Okay. Yeah, I get that part. But <laughs> freaking, when you got Bo on the Raptor killer Bogdanovich going around lighting us up, I don't know what it is about that guy, but every time he kills the Raptors. And you were saying this off the air, how there's just certain players that kill certain teams, and it's, <laughs> it's kind of comical. Yeah. What is it about uh, Bogdanovich that, that he's just, like, destroying the Raptors? Can you explain that to me? I don't think he – he just gets really hot when he plays the Raptors, but at the same time, his ability to slip off screens and kind of just catch and shoot, he's he's really a rhythm-based shooter, and for some reason, whatever it is, when he plays against the Raptors, when he slips off those screens, he's straight cash. We saw it time and time again last night. He just – he knows how to get his shot when he plays the Raptors. One of the worst parts is when uh... – JV is guarding him. He just happens to be, even if it's in transition or if it's like a set play, it's basically just a wide open shot, regardless of uh, defensive positioning. So like, JV just cannot, he cannot get out there, man. It makes well, me. Well, that's why we've seen JV kind of get transitioned to a more of a role player, which we're going to get into in a bit. I know we were talking about that too. But yeah, so Kyle Lowry missing those, missing those, uh, what, 21, 23 points a game? Yeah, it's. I mean, never mind his production on the floor. They're missing literally the heart and soul of this team. Like Kyle Lowry is the Raptors. What do you think about it? Yeah, but he's so important to just everything. He's the general out there too, right? But isn't this like the? You said he's the heart and soul, but isn't this the whole like uh, point for Demar Derozan? His like his being the disciple of Kobe. 
isn't this like it's time to be like I'm the man, man. This is okay, do you I'm really believe that? What you just said, <laughs> disciple of Kobe. Do you really believe that? He definitely is a disciple of Kobe, man. But do you really believe that he's like on that same level? Not like Kobe Bryant level, maybe like a little bit below that. But I don't think he can carry the load by himself. Like him, I think he's like a perfect one B player, like a one A, not a bona fide number one though. It's his play. I mean, his play style is reminiscent. I, if you're gonna talk about like efficiency or something like that, then he's. Definitely, Kobe wasn't that efficient either. Yeah, you know what I'm no, saying. I, get what you're saying. Yes, I just, I feel like, look, like, look I'm like not arguing s- that DeRozan's not a superstar, mm-hmm. but I think him and Kyle Lowry, they both kind of need each other too. That, if that makes sense. True. Like they're kind of like uh, upgraded version of like a Chauncey Billups, Rip Hamilton, where those two are good, but they still need each other. Who do you think needs the other person more, like Lowry or or DeRozan? Oh, DeRozan needs Lowry. Dude, Lowry can handle the ball at all times, and he just does so many things that help a team win as opposed to DeRozan where you need to give DeRozan the volume, you know? He's kind of that guy. He's just going to keep shooting, and if he's he's literally going to score by volume all the time. When have you ever seen him be really efficient? The only time he's really efficient is he's getting to the free throw line, right? The beginning of the season, I think that was the most efficient DeMar DeRozan has ever been. And, and we all knew that was unsustainable. <laughs> that was crazy. But... Everybody thinks it's unsustainable until it's sustained. You know, what Russell Westbrook is averaging a triple-double. We all thought yeah, that was unsustainable. Well, I don't know if we thought it was unsustainable. We just... Dude, the guy... Like, when players on your team are joking around about when they acquired Taj Gibson and they said, hey, I hope I hope Taj knows the defensive rebounds go to Russ. The dude's a stat whore like Rondo. Oh, man. So, on, no. I'm just saying that straight up how it is. His usage is off the charts. You can look at all the numbers. He's great at what he does. But let's keep in mind here, too, that this is... He's chasing this on purpose. Trust me. He he knows full well what he's going after. I think I think he's um I narcissistic, think, yeah. No, 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 I think that's part of, it's part of the game plan for him to be rebounding. I can't believe we're already off topic like this. But uh it's part of the game plan for him to get grab that rebound so he can get going in transition. That's ba- that's like thirty percent of their offense is him off getting the defensive rebound and just pushing it down the court and looking for like seams in the defense. We're not getting a Russell Westbrook talk because I could dedicate thirty to forty minutes about this. No problem. Easy, easy. I think he's just. I'm no. I'm not even going to get into it. I just said I'm not going to get into it, so I'm not going to get into it. Who steps up with Kyle Lowry? Are they going to? Are we going to see this continuance to lean on uh, Corey Joseph here? Or are we going to see Delon Wright keep dipping into those minutes? It's pretty clear. I think Dwayne Casey wants to give the, DeLon, give the reins to. He likes Delon Wright, man. He likes. But him he likes lot. Kojo to close. The one, the, the problem, the problem with Delon, right? He, even though he loves him, is like he can't shoot, right? He can't shoot, and he needs the ball in his hands because to make the pass. So when he's playing around, along De, uh, Demar Derozan, then it's just like it's not happening. You know, there's there isn't enough space to generate offense. So we're gonna see Kojo. We're gonna see Kojo just because the fit is better. But he loved, trust me, man. He, you could just. <laughs> There are some times where he's playing DeLon Wright in like situations where it doesn't make any sense just to have him on the floor. Which I'm okay with because DeLon Wright is a fantastic defender. Or yeah, maybe man, a stretch. You... I, I think he's fantastic in the context of that he's still pretty much a rookie. So when you consider that, great defense. Yeah, and he's he's getting the he's not ripping anybody, but you're seeing him like you know, the the the, the offense the offensive player is dribbling, and he'll get like a, a touch on the ball, and he'll mess up their dribble or go out of bounds or something like that. So his defense is great. It's just like I need you to shoot, man. Just if you can, if he can shoot, he'll have like an actual like 
legitimately long career in the NBA. I think that'll come. 100% that'll come. I do think, too, that Corey Joseph's ability to kind of facilitate the offense is at a higher level than Dylan Wright's is right now, and I think that's something they value a lot more. Is they they got guys now that are stoppers on defense. You know, we see this closing new, this brand new closing five of Abaka, Tucker, Demari Carroll, DeRozan, and Kojo, and they got the big three guys that defend there. And DeRozan does all the scoring for the most part. So all they need the point guard to really do without Lowry right now is just facilitate. And I think he trusts Corey Joseph to do that more than Delon Wright at the moment. Fair to say? Yeah, I think they need shooting for that for that point guard position. And the only person that is capable of doing that is like Van Fleet, but he's super. Even then, yeah, and even then, it's not even. Uh, you know, I'm not confident in it. So we're gonna see Kojo. I'm happy about seeing Kojo, man. The distribution, pretty good. His defense is good. He's just a solid dude. <laughs> solid dude. Just slot him in, and uh, they got to de- depend on defense without Lowry at this point. That's. <laughs> That's a big imagine, Remember when Lowry first got into the league and he was – let's just say what it is. He wasn't a very good defender. But yeah. now you think about where he is and he's more than serviceable. Yeah, exactly. I, can you – could you imagine, you know, three months from, from today we're saying – could you imagine that we would be saying, like, the Raptors are going to start winning games with defense? Like, that's the only way. And, like, it actually being viable. <laughs> <laughs> I would have said, uh, well, what are you doing on 2K? That's why I'd ask you. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like you're putting game sliders on right now. Yeah, but exactly. But that, that, change. That, Ibaka, that Ibaka trade, bro. And there's one big thing with Ibaka that we were talking about a previous podcast. You mentioned a lot all the time is that Kyle Lowry was the leader on defense. But the biggest problem was that guys like JV, Bebe, the big men weren't calling out their assignments. The communication was just. It was non-existent on defense. And now you see Ibaka talking all the time. P.J. Tucker, same thing. Damari Carroll. These guys that are in the back in the backcourt now, well, frontcourt, I should say, mm-hmm. they're communicating. And it's making a huge difference for them on defense, in right. particular their team defense. It, right. just, it looks a lot better. Right. How you, how you like me now? I remember, remember it was the last podcast, two podcasts ago, and we're like, yeah, man, Serge Ibaka. I, I was saying like Serge Ibaka is going to be great for this team. Trust me. And you're like, ah, if you look at everything, he's like down in all of his statistical categories. We don't know how old he is really. And now look, hey, I had to make a case somehow, <laughs> man. I can't just we can't just get on here every time and be like Ibaka's great. Agree. Lowry's out. Raptors need a point guard. Agree. We can't just agree on everything. You know? <laughs> I got to create a case and. 15 points, 18 points, 15 points, and 22 points in his last four games. Okay. And he looks motivated. And he looks he, extremely motivated here. He looks great. And his 12 rebounds in the pre- last game, that he had a double-double last game, four re- rebounds the game before that against New York, but then he had another 10 against Portland. Like, he's... Oh, man, I'm so happy. <laughs> he looks great. <laughs> <laughs> he okay, looks... so instead of us talking about this closing five, because I think that's something that we just talked about agreeing on things, we agree that it's good, right? Absolutely. Fair? Okay. So let's get into something a little more interesting, because now that a box is playing really well, this kind of puts somebody in a precarious position, and that somebody would be Jonas Valanciunas. We've seen his minutes decrease. He's kind of been relegated to this role player almost now. Um, perhaps we'll start using him more in the second unit and let him kind of be the key piece there where they feature him a bit more. But what do you make of all this? I mean, going forward, I don't know if he's a spot on this team. In the present future, I don't know either. Like... <laughs> I don't know, man. I like JV. I like him, right? But 
we've been talking about this all season where he don't really think that he has like a a, like a spot on the squad like he, his abilities are not being utilized correctly and with Serge Ibaka joining the team he's basically Serge Ibaka just became like supercharged Biombo and uh Biombo was like pretty much getting he was there were points where he was getting played over JV due to injury but then there was like points in the in the playoffs where um, you, it was noticeably better when Biyama was playing. So, Serge Ibaka is definitely like it's definitely better than JV. JV is definitely JV is younger, got the potential, but he's a he's a slow big man, bro. So it's and hard to, to be see. fair. I don't think this is just a JV exclusive problem. This is a problem around the entire NBA. Yeah, you just can't big be guys slow. like this. Yeah, you can't play him. You just can't be slow in the NBA anymore. <laughs> you know? it's well, a, I kind of view these guys as like in baseball. Where you know you have the left-handed pitchers that are exclusive. They're called loogies. They're mm-hmm. left lefty batters with one out to get, or left-handed pitchers that get out left-handed batters with one out to get. Mm-hmm. That's kind of what these big men are now. Where you just use them in situations like like something we talked about off the air was how against the Cavs, perhaps you could implement JV and try to punish them down low when they have JV, Channing Fry, Shumpert, RJ, and uh, LeBron. But you know there's still obviously issues because the Cavs can counter that with that same lineup. But yeah, just gonna like, get the three. whole point is, is like you can use these guys in certain situations, but it's very specific now. Yeah, it's specific, and he just can't be starting, dude. Like it, it doesn't make any sense for him to be starting at this point. Just the way that most teams play, they're just it's an expl- it's a huge exploit in the Raptors' uh, defense that can be easily um, changed. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it's, it, do you think? Well, you do know. You do know. You just you just said that it could easily be changed. So yeah, are you get a cliffhanger. What are you HBO? You can't leave me <laughs> wait until next week. <laughs> Is he going to be on the squad by the end of by uh by next the end year? of the summer? No, I don't think so. And I think the only reason is because you look at this cap number; it's the biggest one, and the Raptors are going to face a huge uh, luxury tax crunch. And yeah, with that being said, he makes the most sense to move. Yeah, because they have what Lowry, Ibaka, and Patterson's uh, contracts ending at the end of the season, right? Yep, and then you got DeRozan inked to the long term deal. Um, but we both know Lowry. You know he's going to get something close to the max. Ibaka might not get something close to the max, but he'll probably get, I'll guess, eighty to as high as ninety percent of that number. Mm-hmm. Like you know, Lowry's probably going to get ninety to ninety five percent of the max. That Patterson number. Just, what are you thinking about that Patterson number right now? How much is he getting? I don't know. I gotta see how the rest of the season plays out because I think he's—I don't want to say he's having a tough time adjusting to these new guys here, but now that we're kind of seeing him get phased out a little bit, especially down the stretch, where instead they're going to Tucker and Carroll. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I don't know what to make of Patterson right now. I need to see more. I guess so. He was a plus defender when he was on the court, but then before we had like pretty terrible power forwards to play like uh, instead of him, like we were playing Pascal Siakam or. You know, inexplicably well, yeah, playing well, two centers or whatever, right? So he was like uh, definitely above average when he was playing, but now in comparison to, to Ibaka, like Ibaka does the same thing, right? So well, let's take let's take Ibaka out of the equation. Who do you prioritize more this offseason? Resigning PJ Tucker or resigning Patrick Patterson? I think that's that's the question tough. The yeah, that's that tough. Ask themselves. <laughs> and that's, and tough. that's a tough one. Do they have do they have rights on PJ Tucker? Like yeah, they got bird rights too. So both players are the exact same in the sense where they're both upcoming free agents. Um, they're they're 
kind of similar players, kind of. P.J. Tucker's more ferocious on the glass. Yeah. Uh, they both have their bird rights. What the cost would be, I don't know, but I think it might come down to that. I don't so. think P.J. Tucker is going to be worth that much, to be honest. He's yeah, I think... He's the bench, and he has, like, a very specific, very, very specific role on the team. So I don't think he's going to be worth exorbitant some exorbitant amount of money, but... I don't I think I'd prioritize uh, Patterson just... Having a bench like a bench big that does what he does, who can like be a starter if like he he could be a starter if uh, Ibaka was injured and you wouldn't really lose anything. So, so I mean, like you, yeah, that's true. I don't. Know, I just I, I know like, I'm reaching a bit in that sense because I think PJ Tucker is more better suited in a bench role where he comes on and then like kind of like what Patterson's been doing. I think PJ Tucker's better suited for that just because he's a tweener in the size, right? Like he's he's kind of matchup. Matchup right. dependent and in the sense where like you got to get him out there with the right guys, right? And he's better like with, against three like threes, twos, and ones. Like him playing against a four, you know, it makes sense. But it's a little bit of a stretch that like, he's playing out of position a little bit. For Patterson, you can get four. You can play him against fours and fives. Even Dwayne Casey plays Patterson at still plays Patterson at the five. Like right now, yeah, which but, I love. He played him at the five last game, so. I think, well, I think to go back to your whole JV point, moving him might allow them to bring back all four guys. And by all four, I mean Ibaka, Lowry, Tucker, and Patterson. Right. If they're committed to paying the luxury tax. Right. No, they're definitely – at every they turn, At every turn, they've said that they're committed to paying the luxury tax. So you can expect them to come back. But those that JV trade, what are you, what are you looking for in, the, in that trade? Like what are you looking for to get back? What's it's the big man worth? See, that's a that's a that's a good question because everybody has big men right now, and everybody's trying to get rid of their big man right now. So is is he getting is he getting a first? I don't know. I mean, you look and, at what the Nuggets and the uh, Trailblazers swapped. Miles Plumlee's an RFA this year. Nurkic is still on pretty cheap entry level deal. So for the Blazers, and they're in a a salary cap kind of conundrum. Uh, that deal was all about shaving off money for them because they're right. convinced that they couldn't re-sign Plumlee to a fair number. Right. So if the Raptors are kind of on the flip side of that, maybe a low-end guy in a first, okay. maybe. So are we trading? But I think they have to give up a second too. Oh yeah, yeah. Because um, we saw the Plumlee Nurkic deal was mm-hmm. Plumlee and uh, a second for Nurkic and a first. Mm-hmm. Like, between, I'm trying to think of a team to trade him to. Like That's that the other thing him. is who actually uses these guys. So I'm like Phoenix, maybe Sacramento. If you can go to Sacramento into doing something crazy again, oh no problem, <laughs> ring up Lottie. <laughs> right, so if you could if you could somehow convince them to do something crazy again, um, that's it, man. Like Utah has got people. Utah's Gobert, Portland just made the trade for Nurkic. OKC has Stephen Adams. Yeah, you know, it's tough. It's tough. Because I think yeah. anywhere he goes, he's going to be in a reserve role. And now, if we're going to go off the current market, Mozgov makes a little bit less than JV. I know this is a ridiculous comparison, <laughs> but I'm talking financial here. Is that you can compare – they're, financially, they're comparable. Okay. And maybe he's going to reserve role. Okay. I know it's ridiculous, but that's <laughs> – you look yeah. at the market. If a guy like Mozgov is making what he's making and JV's only a little bit above that, what does that tell you? Yeah. That nobody, in my opinion, nobody really knows how to to truly evaluate big men right now. And if you're going to sign these guys, make sure they fit your system. Because if they don't, 
This is what happens. There's not even a system that exists at the moment, man. Like, even in New Orleans, like, they're not playing slow. The team isn't playing slow. It's organized around post-ups, but two generational. You got some, like, generational talents to to do the post-ups, you know. And plus, they also shoot threes. And they're well, all, all and the passing teams is great. truly use the big men like that, like the Jazz and then the Spurs. Right, maybe, maybe you can get a Spurs trade off, but I don't even think that they're interested in that type of trade. Need, to be honest. I think Paul Gasol will go back there on a cheaper number before anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he he's a much better there. passer, right? Yeah, yeah, and like he likes it there. He fits there. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. That's something we'll have to explore in the off season when we can like put ideas together and be like, okay, this makes sense here for cap reasons. Because there's going to be a team out there that definitely needs to reach the floor. Right, that's true. So maybe JV could go there. I don't know. It's a huge. See, it's, huge. Hard, to, it's hard to think of, man, because like, we're, you know, just our brainstorm right now. You can't even think of a team that needs what he does. Right? And we're thinking about like trading him for like the floor. So you're basically trading him for nothing. <laughs> you don't see what I'm saying? It's <laughs> a <Financial> relief. Because <laughs> we're basically saying that we. We value the four free agents more than we do JV. That's true. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I just want, you know, that's pretty much telling how much a, a big man of his skill is worth right now. That you can't, you can't get a, like, you can't get a first rounder off for him. And he's a very prompt, like he's a, he's a good player, you know, in a vacuum, he's a good player. But in reality, like there's the the game has moved away from his playing style. That it's um it's hard to find anybody that actually needs him or that would use. Yeah, him. the NBA landscape has changed a lot. I mean, here's the problem: if you have a big man long term and he's not productive, his name's Omar Ashik. That's the kind of results you get. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like you're stuck with that, and then you're just like, uh, hey, anybody want Ashik? And everybody's kind of like shuffling out of the room. Yeah, I exactly. Like I think, man, you got. It's a shame, man, because he's really good. Like, he could have been really good. Like, I definitely see him being really good if it was, like, 2000, right? 2090, like, basically from, like, 80 to 2006. He definitely would have been, like, a solid, solid player. 100%. Double-double machine. Probably yeah, like double-double machine. Nine, and yeah. He, yeah, and he shoots well from the free throw line, and he's getting fouled all the time, like, He's definite. He would definitely be like a number two, like probably like a second option, on a, like a very good team. It's just you know what he does right now is not valuable. Post up is like oh. one of the least efficient plays in the game. He doesn't shoot threes. He gets fouled a lot though. That does so right him. now, does that mean that he's going to go into a bench role? Would that not be the best thing for him? Maybe. Think of this. Think of it this way: Jaleel Okafor is a rookie, and he is a he has a bench role right now. Well, Julio Okafor puts zero effort out there. I don't know if you saw his defense last night. That's an albatross, man. If you're going to do that, don't ever bitch about your playing time. <laughs> I'll, if I, was, I would staple his ass to the bench if I saw that kind of effort out there. That's, uh, if you're reviewing film with your teammates, which you know they do, what do you even say? That's just flat-out embarrassing. Right, It's but his point, like, the way he scores points is better than JV. JV is a better rebounder, obviously, right? Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, it's a bench role, dude. He's only playing twenty minutes a game right now, like since All Star breaks are, uh, since All Star break. You okay with that? Yeah, I would. Like, I think okay. I'm okay with that too. I would be okay if Serge Ibaka was the center. To be honest. Yeah, there's, I kind of like the fact that Dwayne Casey's embraced more small ball this year too. It is not like there's any. The only team that would punish him 
for being the center is New Orleans. Los Angeles, maybe? Mm, yeah, yeah. DeAndre Blake would. But we don't have to worry about those two teams, right? In the East, I think the Cavs could punish him, not necessarily on the inside. They're just going to punish him by his inability to move around. That's what they would kill him on. Mm-hmm. Um, Boston, no. I mean, are we really scared of Gortat? No. So I think Ibaka is a good matchup against Gortat. So do I. Right, so. Well, are the Wizards for real? Yes. man, that was a thorough beatdown. Yes? Yes. You think so? Absolutely. Okay. I was one of the biggest Wizards detractors. I'll put it as that. Like, leading up to the season, I was like, you know. Do you know who the best three-point shooter in the league is right now? Right now? Yeah. Well, John Wall's definitely been one of the best players in the league. No, three-point shooters. Oh, three-point shooters. Oh, Bradley Beal. Otto Porter is the best three-point shooter in the league by percentage. Is he still by percentage? <laughs> yes. Holy crap. He's had like a rejuvenation this year. Him and Markeith Morris. Right. Markeith Morris is balling <clears throat> out there. That is a legit squad. Like the starting five is mad good. They're basically um a super like a souped up version of last year's Pistons where the starting five was amazing. And then the bench is just decrepit. But they got Brandon Jennings, man. I was just gonna say, now they're starting to get a bench. Jennings, Bogdanovich. You know, they got some pieces. Saturansky. Yeah. Uh, now imagine if Ian Mahimi would have worked out for them. <laughs> yeah, dude. If he is actually playing, that'd be crazy. So, I think they're like a legit team. I think they're. Yeah, I think they're going to give the Raptors real issues come playoff time if they play. Yeah, if they play, but I think this is like a, this is a, it's a sleeper team, man. I don't think they're winning the chip, but like it's a, you know, this is a sleeper team for sure. Like it is, I really think they would surprise Cleveland if they played. So do I. <laughs> I think they push Cleveland to six. Yeah, seven, six. Yeah, but the, can you 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 know the Wizards? Nobody's really nobody would really think that the Wizards would be able to do that until they played each other in Washington that one game, which was crazy. Yeah, I, to be honest, I thought they were just a good team that didn't know how to be great. If that made sense. Yeah, like they they have place they have pieces in place, but they just they're missing something. Yeah, they were they were hot, but now they're just they've just gotten hotter. Like it sounds like um two K. <laughs> that sounds like yeah, a two K. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they got hot at the after um after December, but they've only gotten hotter and they're just like a good team, man. It's John Wall. I get to sprint up and down the court, just get open. And he you know, all he needs is three point shooters. This is basically if Russell Westbrook was on this team, then we'd be like, yo man, this is like an actual sleeper team. Like a serious sleeper team. I think people sleep on John Wall, to be quite honest. Do you see that block on Serge Ibaka? Yeah, man. John <laughs> Wall is a lot better than people think. Yeah. And I, I say, is. you know, I shouldn't say that because in NBA circles, John Wall is viewed he's, as a legitimate yeah, player. Yeah. People just have questions about his character. Hey, his he, attitude. Smir- something that was relevant. I was at the gym. I think this was yes, today. Yeah, this was today. No, 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 no. Tuesday. I was at the gym. You know, I just finished uh, my workout. I was coming out of the showers. And I heard these two guys arguing over who is better, Kyrie Irving or John Wall. It's right? John Wall. Right. And the guy with Kyrie Irving was adamant, absolutely adamant that Kyrie Irving is better. And then the guy who was, you know, debating for John Wall's basically saying, like, look at everything that John Wall does. You know, the blocks and steals, even though blocks and steals are very, um, <clears throat> very There's a high variance. Defense. Yeah, yeah. But then he was like, the assists, like he makes everybody on his team better. 
and he can't even shoot the three. And then the guy who was arguing for Kyrie Irving was like, yeah, but he can't even shoot the three. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> right? Did he make the big shot against the Warriors? Exactly. I don't think so. That's all the Exactly. All like about. the big shots and like the, the crazy layups. But John, like, so the the average fan or the casual fan, it's a real debate, bro. They, it's John Wall isn't, I think it's because he plays in Washington and he's not getting that much um, national attention. They do get some national games, but it's not that frequently. I think that just Kyrie Irving and people just un- underestimate how good John Wall is. Like, you don't have to be flashy to be to be a great player. See, quite yeah, really good. He's really good, though. Yeah, I think what pissed a lot of people off too is his first game when he came out doing the Dougie. I know Colin Coward always harps on that, although he's kind of backed off of it. But that's where the whole character issues kind of started. Yeah, um, Colin. Coward, since then, he's gone a lot better. That's on him, bro. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> if somebody's if somebody's dancing and that's upsetting you, that's on you. Okay. Okay, so the the Wizards, they're for real. Yes. <sighs> so does that does that team. mean does does that mean the, the Raptors are at the second seed race? I don't know. Because eventually, you know, like, Without there's going to be less games. I don't even. think it is anymore. So you think they're out and not making the second seed? Third seed? I, th- I think they're finishing three or four. Three or four. That means the, that means if everything stays true, that's Cavs in the second round. I know. <laughs> and, even in the first, and even in the first round, they're going to have to play Atlanta, which is not. I think they'll beat Atlanta. But I just, it's not. It's going to be six or seven games. Isn't it? Yeah. Probably like a six gamer and I. It's not preferable. Like with a healthy Lowry, we'll beat them just because Schroeder is so lost on defense, and he's mm-hmm. he's a guaranteed guaranteed two to three bad turnovers at the worst time for the Hawks. So and a, t- and a technical, don't forget. And a technical, thank you. Yeah, that's right. And then Dwight will also add on to that. So somebody's getting pushed, and then people are talking, and then you know fingers are being pointed, people are touching noses, etc. Fingers are guns. Fingers are guns. <laughs> just saying. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, there's gonna be an issue. Everybody's in that. freaking out about that. Oh yeah, dude, the the Isaiah Thomas Isaiah thing. Thomas, yeah, which is a little bit out of line. Surprised he didn't get fined. It's not 100 percent out of line, but right. And uh, I'm surprised he didn't. Point. I'm surprised he didn't get fined because you know the NBA is kind of like a, really on top of that stuff ever since Miles on the Palace. You know. Yeah, so I don't know. I'm surprised about that too. What are the well? How hot do the Raptors have to get to finish in second? Like. They gotta be. That, that's a lot of wins. They're three games back of the Celts, man. So they gotta, they gotta play some. See, they gotta win, dude. It, it's it's you know that sounds simplistic, but uh, they just got. These teams gotta lose too. Yeah, and the Celtics, you know, they play they play some tough teams. Like they have to. I'm pretty sure they have to play the Warriors. But um, yeah, it's it's pretty it's pretty easy after that Cavs game. They have a lot of easy opponents coming up. Some sub 500 dudes. And um, yeah, they just gotta pray that they just fall apart a little bit, and then the Raptors have the Raptors have to become that uh, nobody believes in us squad. It's like <laughs> everybody, they all they all counted us out. Kyle Lowry, Demar Derozan's here. We got Ibaka. We got PJ. Kojo is still a beast. Norm Powell is coming into his own. Patrick Patterson's still showing all the movies on the on the plane. Okay. We're gonna, we're gonna be great. <laughs> they have to come together. They have to basically, yeah, become the nobody believes in us team in uh, twenty games, which is about a month and a half. That's the issue. <laughs> is, is the games, man? There's not a lot of games. 
Yeah, which is three. It's they're three games back, but there's only twenty games left. And maybe it's just for me where I feel like it's kind of like you know that's a three game losing streak and a three game winning streak. But a lot of people are like, yeah, man, that's not a lot of games. Twenty games. There's only twenty games left. It can be done. <laughs> well, we look at this team's slow starts. That's I think what's really the issue is that. People look at that and then they just fall behind and then sometimes they never come back. Like I know they've won three of the last four games that way, but right. dude, we saw last night teams like the Wizards. When you play better teams and you fall behind early, sometimes you just don't get out of that hole. Dude, that's and what you happens. just take a huge L. That's what happens when you're starting JV, man. It really that's really what happens when you're starting JV. Because like he's a huge. He has like think of everybody on the team right now. Everybody's a plus defender minus DeMar DeRozan. Everybody's a plus defender, right? S- except for those two players. What am I? What am I going to do? And I'm just going to do the two five pick and roll, one five pick and rolls. I'm trying to get the Raptors are terrible at following their man off screens at the moment because they're doing a lot of switching. So there's miscommunication with that, and that's how the the Wizards got a ton of threes up uh, last game. So there's yeah. there are weaknesses, man. And JV is not helping them. So, I'm guessing that you're suggesting that you insert Patrick Patterson in the starting lineup. Or <gasps> PJ Tucker. One Patrick Patterson the same, the in the starting lineup? Age debate. <laughs> what? I don't believe it. You don't believe it, dude. Before everybody got here, it was all about Patterson should start. No, Patterson's a super bench player. And now we're like right back there again. Yeah. Play surge at the five, Star Patterson. Rain threes. Rain threes, bro, and then just played solid defense. There's the only person that's a problem on in that squad is uh, DeMar DeRozan. You can hide him. I really wish they would rain threes. Because that's the way that's the new that's the new NBA. Mm-hmm. Look at the Rockets last night. Death by a thousand threes. I know James Harden. I don't know. If, I don't know if you watched that game, but it was a clinic. The way he would eviscerate their the Clippers tried to switch everything, and Harden was like, "Okay, do it. Watch what happens." Mm-hmm. And he just killed them, and it just led to open look after open look after open look, and they were all from three. That's a coaching thing, though, because he's playing with a he's playing with MDA, right? So these is gonna be like, yeah, we're just gonna shoot uh, threes. Every, like any opportunity, if you're even if you see a sliver of daylight. Okay, if the the darkness, you're in the darkness, and you see that white that that white light, let it go. You must shoot the three. Okay, but with doing Casey's like, we gotta make sure you get the ball to Demar and Lowry and let them do their thing. We gotta set screens. <laughs> <laughs> gotta set screens, and it all starts with our defense and attacking the cup. Do you see the difference between a coaching philosophy? <laughs> yeah, no, that's that's a really good point too. I do wish I should just let it fly a bit more. I mean, if Dwayne Casey is willing to adapt to the players that are on his squad, then they will be shooting threes. And he has he has shown the willingness to change if he needs to. So we'll see. Yeah. I think that's something they'll, they'll get more into in the offseason. Hey, man, he even ex- remember when Terrence Ross was on the squad, he expanded his role. He's just like, man, just shoot it. Anytime you got the ball, just shoot it. Speaking of Terrence Ross, how about that farewell letter? A beauty. What was your favorite part, man? Ah, you know, obviously the fuck Brooklyn part at the beginning was <laughs> awesome for so many reasons. Because he's so right. Go to any Toronto fan and just say the words "fuck Brooklyn." 
and watch their face light up. And they're like, yeah, Emmanuel, the side jury. They would just go crazy. Man, what a time it's been with him on the squad. From him being 21 years old. I remember that. <laughs> the video. The video. There is a video on YouTube that exists where Terrence Ross gets drafted. <laughs> where Terrence Ross gets drafted. <laughs> and these, these two guys are watching the draft. And when he gets drafted, the guy just snaps. And I think I'm going to... We're going to make sure to, like... I guess link this in the in the posting on uh, tip of the tower. <laughs> link the video. He more than snaps, dude. <laughs> <laughs> I've never seen somebody so repulsed by a player getting drafted. <laughs> That's like an understatement. Like, I've seen football fans like Jets fans and whatnot. You know, New York fans. Period. Boo every pick. Oh. But this guy. Oh man. You would have uh, thought Terrence Ross swiped his girlfriend or something. <laughs> he was fat. Right, so we were coming from that to all the way to where he's like a gunner on a he's a gunner. And um he was you know, he was with us all the way to that conference finals run. So, um, so it's just it's actually really sad to see him go. So he like grew up with this team. Man, <laughs> one of the parts in the letter too is he's like it took me a while to get going as a player. But I hope you guys do enjoy the person that I became too. He just seems like a very genuine, sensible, sincere guy. Yeah, he was a nice, happy dude. Um, people love the dunks, right? And then he's he just seemed like happy go lucky all the time. It's hard not to hard not to be attracted to that personality, you know. Oh, very hard. I think too, part of the letter that was awesome is that he kinda gave people an inside look. Not all the way in, but a little bit of an inside look. A, a glimpse per se. Of how tight this Raptors team is, how how much pride they take in playing for Canada, the Jurassic Park, the relationships these guys have forged with each other. Like, like when he talks about the game that he plays with the shooting trainer, mm-hmm. little things like that are what has helped this team grow. From you know, they got to rebuild and blow it up, like he was suggesting, and we all heard that. Hell, some of us probably said that. I said that when I, you said that. Okay, yeah, to now, there's no way we would do that. Yeah, man. The even the fav- the cool part was, you know, that the game, the shooting game we were talking about. And, like, you could wake up the person on the bus. It's like, the king has arrived, and then they would play trumpets, you know? <laughs> That's actually awesome. It was so funny. Man, I, man, I just miss him. I honestly miss him. He's been, such a, he's been such a large character in Raptors lore, you know, about him being, like, a meek, meek shooter. Why doesn't he ever drive to the rim? And he just shoots twice, and if he doesn't, if it doesn't go in, he loses confidence to like where he is now. He's playing really well for the Magic, like really, really well. Yep, I'm getting. <laughs> you feeling some regrets? No regrets. None. Not, actually, no regret. Well, the reason why I say no regrets is because how we're seeing him being used in Orlando, he would never get used like that in Toronto, that's and that's true. what he needs. He looks a little bit like Paul George when he plays now. A lot Slightly. of yeah, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna go that far, but I get what you're I get what you're getting at, especially with the way he's so free shooting. Yeah, um, he's getting a lot of DHOs, a lot of jump shots, tons, right? tons, man. and uh, they're, like they're letting him dribble the ball, and he's like finding people. Like he's he's a passer. He's like a pretty good passer, and you never saw that in Toronto. But no, kinda, I was actually gonna mention that part. So I was letting him be a bit more of a playmaker, which I don't know if that's more so because of him and they're using his skill set, or because Alfred Payton just can't. Can't do it. <laughs> I mean, if Alfred Payton, if Alfred Payton can't and he can, then you just gotta let him do it. He's a DC. He's a good passer, man. 
is. Well, that's one that I'm going to start watching for this when, like, players leave the Raptors. Just because they've been in such a constricting uh, play style. I wonder what they'll look like outside of the team. Yeah, I think if you're a scout for an opposing team, too, you're not necessarily scouting the player on how they fit with the Raptors. Mm-hmm. I, I know every scout doesn't do that, period. They scout the individual, and they have certain things that they're going to base on how they can fit on their team. Right. But I think with the Raptors in particular, it's got to be tough to look at them because you're going, okay, look at the guy Norm Powell, for example. We're seeing what Terrence Ross is doing. Mm-hmm. What do you think Norm Powell could do on a different roster? I, I think Norm he could P- do a lot. I think, yeah, me too. Like, I think he's really good. I think he's really, really good. And if DeMar DeRozan wasn't on this team, I think I think the Raptors could maybe be better if it was Powell. Like, he just has his, his skill set is just more diverse. He's got a lot of things going. Remember when we were talking about that Westbrook uh, defensive rebound and go? He can do that, right? So if he just had better finishing around the rim, I really think he'd be amazing. Like a legit star player. I'd buy that. I could buy that. I just think with the Raptors, like like we've said, they've committed to this. This is their style of play now with Lowry and DeRozan, and it's not changing. So certain guys like this, this is always going to be a problem as long as we're running through Lowry and DeRozan. And you know what? In a sense, it's kind of a good problem. Yeah, yeah, it is a good problem. But you got to think about the fact that they keep getting young players, right? And they're getting suffocated by the play style at the moment. Like, we're not, we're not you know... Think about it this way, Patrick McCaw, we're not thinking about, you know, how stifled Patrick McCaw is getting, like, how stifled his play style is on the Warriors. Like, we know that what Patrick McCaw can do, even though he's on a championship team. That's a good point, too. I don't know. I It's bittersweet because it shows that player development's working. And you look at the 905 right now, they're tops of the D-League. Mm-hmm. Literally the creme de la creme of the D-League. But then you look <laughs> at how these guys are transitioning to the NBA, and... He's got to start questioning. Is it the player or is it the system? Yeah, man. I think it's the system. I think it's the system too, but this when it works, do you fix it? Like if it's broke, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, right? Yeah. But I think the Raptors system has to evolve a little bit. But if you have shiny new parts, do you upgrade the system? I know. I know. There's so many questions with it that you can kind of create different arguments and narratives, but mm, it's not changing. Yeah. It's definitely changing. It's becoming like, mm. <laughs> Man, if the you know what the Raptors need, are they need a young coach? I know Dwayne Casey is technically a younger coach, but they need like a young young coach. You know what I mean, like a Brad Stevens type coach. I'm listening. Right. I don't, Did I don't, you hear? Um, I'm trying to remember who it was that said this. Jeff Goodman. He said that he believes Brad Stevens is going to be a better coach. Well, sorry, he said is a better coach than Greg Popovich at this current moment. I was kind of like, oh, okay. Mm. That's bold. Mm. Mm. I don't know about that. We'll see. Mm. That's hard to tell. I know. T- it makes t- you think of it. That's hard to tell, man. Because there have been instances where Coach Pop has like made mistakes in the press, like a couple playoffs, but every coach is human, right? And then there are there are times where Steve Kerr is playing like like last year where he was playing Anderson Barrage out in the, in the finals inexplicably. So it's interesting. It's, it's an interesting, interesting case study. <laughs> interesting. I think before before we wrap it up though, we never really talked about the trade deadline. Um, quick thoughts on Boston standing pat again. 
most interesting case in the NBA is them by far because everybody's envious of them in a sense where, you know, they just they just want this power. They're set up for future success even if they stand still, if they do nothing. Right. And yeah, there's always that giant what if looming over this team because they did nothing. So yeah. Thoughts on it? That if you try if you can make the trade for Jimmy Butler, you make the trade. But um Isaiah Thomas like how long is Isaiah Thomas gonna be who he is right now? Because he's like five foot nine like he's as tall as you and I. Right? Yeah, <laughs> and, he and, plays, he, and he needs a new contract after next season. Right, and he plays in the NBA and he's playing this style. I, no, I'm certain. Have I'm you seen to... the way Isaiah Thomas carries himself? I know everybody's seen this. Does that look like a guy who's going to take a pay cut? Nah, man. There's no way. He's Hell be... no. <laughs> this is a guy that was looked over, taking the second round, and nobody counted him on. Nobody believed in him. Like he's yeah. going to make sure he can get his when he can. Right, and um, shoot. Oh yeah, the his play style. It does. It's not really conducive to a long career. But then I, I keep saying that, and then Kyle Lowry is still doing his thing, and Isaiah Thomas is still doing his thing. You know. So we'll see, man. But I do, I do think that he's going to be asking for some sort of like close to the max, and uh, Boston's going to have to make some serious think, do some serious thinking. It's like, uh, you know what? We're just going to take Fultz or uh, Ball, and uh, we're just going to fall back, and we're going to we're going to grow this. You know, there's a there's a time where you grow and when you build, right? There, right now, they would be like in a building phase where, like, okay, we could just add another piece and then we're great, or we can go back and we're gonna okay, we're gonna grow like a tree. Everybody's gonna get good together, and then we're gonna be awesome. I could buy that. I think their <laughs> their master plan per se is this: is they want to keep that number one pick this year, mm-hmm. if it is number one pick. They want to draft Falter Ball. They want to try and sign Blake Griffin or Gordon Hayward in free agency, and then they want to trade that Nets pick next year with, let's say, either the Memphis or Clippers pick they own in a few years, which people forget. The Grizzlies and Clippers are probably going to suck yeah, by the time they get those suck. picks. Yeah. So those are going to be valuable. So I think they'll use those picks to trade for another superstar, and then we'll see them go all in per se next season. Is that Clippers pick from the Doc Rivers trade? Uh, pretty certain. Okay. I'd have to go look that up, but I'm pretty certain that sounds right. Yeah, man, but the the scenario you just brought up where they're getting, like, Blake Griffin or Gordon Hayward, plus they get Fultz, like, that means Fultz is going to be good immediately. Like, yeah, Fultz, and that's somebody that they can use to replace Isaiah Thomas. Fultz, Jalen Brown, like, all those young dudes, some of those young dudes have to hit next year if we're going to do something like that. Well, especially because you keep hearing about how uh, Danny Ainge is so reluctant to part ways with the Marcus Smart or a Jay Crowder or Avery Bradley. So if he wants to keep these guys... In my opinion, that just sounds like the ideal scenario for him. I, that, that doesn't make sense anything else. There's no way he could just sit on these picks and be like, hey, look at me. We got all these picks. Like, I'm the smartest guy here for collecting all these. I just don't buy it. It doesn't make any sense. Man, that Jay Crowder pick, man, I would not the pick. The, the contract? You know how you said, like, they don't want to trade him because of, you know, like, his contract is so, um, <laughs> so disproportionate to how much he actually contributes on the court? I feel like that's becoming like. Imagine if he was—he's getting paid like six million or seven million to for steal. the next three years, right? <laughs> so if he was getting paid like ten or fifteen, then they would have actually—I think they actually would have traded him by now. It's just like that value, you know. I agree. Uh, there's that's there's no comment about it. Like, sorry, guess, there's no disagreement about yeah. it. <laughs> is there... <Not> no comment. <laughs> But yeah, it is the value is so high that it's just it feels it feels untradeable. I that feels like an untradeable contract right now. 
Makes sense. Yeah. It makes a lot of sense if you frame it like that. Especially because his ability to play the three there. The three and, and the four and the, he's a sniper. For, like, he's a sniper now from deep. Like, last year he was a good three-point shooter, but now he's just, like, banging him home every single time now. Especially if you piss him off. Yeah, dude. He's so good. Like, I would never trade him if I was Boston. I honestly would never. Like, you can have Bradley instead. Bradley and Smart, you can have him. Okay, so what would you do if you're Danny Ainge? That's tough, man. When you they have like um, I forgot what the the phrase is, but you just have like an embarrassment of wealth, right? Mm-hmm. It's becoming a, it's getting to a head where they're drafting too many people now. Like there's too many young players on the squad. Like there's so many there's so many people on the bench, but like the skill is so barren, <laughs> right? There's so many there's only so many people you can have until you know I need to start getting some real dudes that can play basketball. So, I wouldn't be opposed to a trade. They're probably going to make some sort of trade at the at the draft. That's what I would do. That's what I would do. Let's make a trade at the draft. Maybe for you don't even have to trade for Hayward because they think they're gonna. They think they're just gonna sign him. I know. Like maybe sign and trade. Maybe, like if they made a trade now for Hayward, it's like the Knicks making the trade for Carmelo. Like it's not, it doesn't even make any sense. No. Right, so if they mm. believe they can just sign Hayward, then they have Hayward, uh, Isaiah. If they re-sign Isaiah, maybe. Then they have Hayward, Isaiah, and Horford, and I still don't think that's good enough to beat Cleveland. That's literally what I was going to ask you next, because that's the only question that matters after. <laughs> I just don't think it's better than – just none of them are better than LeBron. When you're in the playoffs, it's like, who is the best player on the court? On the court? And it would be like, yeah, it's Cleveland, because they have LeBron. And I just don't think LeBron is going to be declining – that frequently or that fast. So is Jimmy Butler or Paul George that guy that can compete? I think Paul George is. I don't know about Jimmy Butler, but I think Paul George is definitely that guy. Oh, you're in the Paul George camp? You I would go after Paul George. There's, 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 there's two, definitely two camps right now. It's the Paul George. Who, which, which player do you think is which player do you think is better? And then which player do you think is a better fit to like challenge LeBron to so, the finals? I think Paul George is all around a better player, mm-hmm. and he's a better fit to challenge LeBron just because look at his physical skill set. We've seen him challenge LeBron before with the Pacers. You know, it wasn't like – I don't want to say they were a serious threat, but they were enough of a threat. The issue with Paul George is that you don't know where his head's at. And I, what I mean by that is look at what he said after when the Pacers were shopping him. Like he doesn't sound too happy about that obviously, understandably so. But all season long, he's even said like he hasn't enjoyed basketball as much at times. He was struggling a lot. So that's a guy where like, is he going to bring it every night? If things don't go well, where is he going to be at? You know, I, I, can you count on him in that sense? Whereas Jimmy Butler, you, you know, this guy's going to come and he's going to he's just going to grind you down every single night. That's why he's a Thibodeau guy in that sense. But Paul George is definitely the better fit. Okay. But I'd want to talk with him a hundred percent because if he's as adamant of if he's as adamant about going to LA as people say he is, then I don't know if I'm going to be – like, what, why would I go for a guy then if he's going to just going to bolt to L.A. after? You know, it doesn't make any sense in my opinion. So that's why I think having a conversation with Paul George and his agent before going after him is pretty much the key to any deal. Because if he doesn't want to be there, why are you going to get a guy like that, right? Whereas with Jimmy Butler, you have a little bit more control over his contract. But I just don't think he's the guy that can help you beat LeBron. He'll make you a lot better. He'll get you in the conversation. But I don't think he'll get you past the king. Okay. I've been, I've been thinking about that as well. You know, I think that Paul George, I think Paul George is better, but any, 
anybody like anything I listen to or watch right now, they're they're really high on Jimmy Butler, and I I totally understand it because he's having a much better season this year. But I just think of like the physical profile, and then what you need, and then I think about what you need to beat LeBron, and I just think Paul George is more valuable as a player to beating LeBron. So we'll see, man. That 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 whole Boston debacle is is so interesting. It's so interesting for me. Yeah, I find it a lot. I think it's the best storyline in the NBA. Really, the best storyline. The Knicks, the Knicks storyline, man. The long soap opera. It's never going to go anywhere. <laughs> the Knicks storyline is the best storyline for me, man. The ever evolving Knicks soap opera, and it is a soap opera in in, uh, in New York. So I don't count the Knicks because they're not basketball anymore. <laughs> <laughs> they're reality it TV is, shows. So I don't yeah. Count them. <laughs> like this whole triangle stuff. I love how we close on the Knicks because I love shit on them. Uh, but <laughs> Derek Rose t- tonight. You know, how do you feel about running the triangle? Do I have a choice? Like, come on, <laughs> come on. Like, bro, you could just give a PR one hundred and one bullshit answer, but like, yeah, it's great. Like, not. Do I have a choice? Like. <laughs> He's the best. And then, what was that? What was that? What was that tweet where like the player evaluation at the end of the season is gonna like it's gonna, it's gonna involve Turin. how they fit in the triangle? <laughs> is it? <laughs> you know, Phil might as well go coach at this point. Oh, like, I don't God. know what Hornets. Yeah, he might as well just be. Yeah, he might as well just be the coach if he's gonna keep talking about the triangle so frequently. <laughs> So here's the best part is when they're going to evaluate everybody based on how they fit the triangle, they're going to do it, they're going to finish it, and they're going to fire Phil Jackson, and it's going to be all for nothing. Oh, my God. I love it, man. I love it so much. <laughs> and then we're going to get all the subliminal tweets. Oh. The subtweet game is going to be insane for Knicks. Oh, man. How? Man, this is a year. This is... The, this is one of the best things to ever grace basketball, man. The Knicks drama is so good. Phil you Jackson going, be. Phil Jackson going there has been one of the best decisions for just like the basketball association in general. <laughs> <laughs> I'm done. We're done. We're done. We're done. We can't even get into that. We got to go get all Zen mode now and do some yoga with Phil. Oh, maybe he'll recommend yeah, us a book. Well, maybe he'll go team up with uh, Magic in LA. Oh man, that'd be Magic great. says he wants winners. Phil's a winner. Yeah, Phil's a winner, man. <laughs> you know how right, guys. <laughs> no, no, we're done. Of course, if I would be, if I would do Angelo, I'd have to play the triangle. I <laughs> 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 mean, Zubich would be the starter, and Mozgov would have a role again. Oh. Good night, guys. Good night. As always, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Tower. You can listen to the podcast, subscribe to us on iTunes and SoundCloud at The Tower. You can follow me on Twitter at Chris France. You can follow Demar on Twitter at Demar J. Grant. Um, I hope you guys enjoy trashing the Knicks as much as we do because they're the most fun to trash right now based on everything they do or that they don't do. <laughs> oh, man. Good night, guys. Good night. <laughs> Later.
Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.